Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. No Christian Walsh today, he's too busy having a rest, having run around, you may have heard about it. However, joining me is our Liverpool correspondent, full-time, both home and away, James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. And I've also got a very special guest. He's a man who used to be of these parts, now he's gone off and done something else. He's Liverpool's head of club and supported liaison. It is Anthony Barrett, otherwise known as Tony. Hi, Tony. Hello, Mr Doyle. How are you? Very good, thank you. You okay? I'm okay. How is life treating you? Good, good. European Cup semi-final, so it's not much better than that. Indeed. Well, Liverpool played at the weekend against West Brom, but nobody cares about that. So let's move on to the game against Roma coming up on Tuesday. James, what are you expecting? Is this, as is being led to believe, Liverpool's biggest game in a generation? Yeah, I think it's the biggest game for 10 years. Um, obviously, it's been a, a long, difficult road back to, you think, 10 years ago, Occasions like this almost became routine and, and taken for granted, but um, you know when you're away from it for so long, uh, there's no doubt that it, it means that much more, and you can you can sense the excitement building. I think clearly you know, the West Brom game was a, a bit of a distraction on the weekend, and I think once that was out of the way, it was uh, you know, everyone everyone's thoughts have been focused on Tuesday night. It's going to be interesting. I think it's a very different test facing Liverpool than, than what they had in the, the quarter-final against Man City. For a start, I think they went into that tie as, as the underdogs and they also were facing a team that was going to come out and play against them. Um, this time around, the dynamic is very different. With you know, they are the, Liverpool are the favourites against Roma and I think Roma, the way they play, will look to make life very difficult for Liverpool. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just set up for you know, a, a fantastic night and I think everyone just... Just can't wait for it to finally arrive. I mean, does that favourites tag concern you in any way? Because you look at some of Liverpool's results against you know, when they have been favourites. You, know, you have to look at the FA Cup this season against West Brom or against West Brom at any point. Look at what they did against Swansea. And there's, there's a certain sense that this Liverpool team is better when they have the backs to the wall and they're not really fancied. Yeah, a little bit. But then, you know, they were they were they were big favourites against Porto, and you know, they were very were they big favourites? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Porto were. I would say Liverpool were favourites against Porto. Certainly not. Didn't expect them to demolish them quite as easily as they did. Are, are, are Liverpool but, big favourites in this one? Because I know there's been a lot of talk of the fact that Liverpool. This was the draw that Liverpool wanted, but it's only on the basis that Real Madrid and Bayern Munich are better than Roma. It's not that Roma are a poor team. No, I think a lot of it is linked to the history, isn't it? Because people, you know, Roma haven't been this far for for 34 years, so you can look upon that as, you know, is you know, does does that mean that? You know they're they're not prepared for an occasion like this. I think the flip side of it is, we talk about it being Liverpool's biggest game for ten years. Well, it's absolutely huge for Roma as well. You know it means that much to them. Um, but you know I, I still think this this is this was a decent draw for Liverpool. Um, you know they, they've got the they've got Roma standing between them and the European Cup final. And I think you know if you'd offer that to anyone a few months ago, they'd have, they'd have certainly taken that. Tony, for Liverpool fans of a certain vintage, the name Roma conjures up certain images, doesn't it? No, it does. And just just on the, the point you're making then about being favourites or not favourites, I'm I don't get the logic in all this because before before Liverpool were through and Barcelona playing the same night, everyone's saying you don't want to get Barcelona in the semis. Then Barcelona gets smashed in the second leg in Rome, and everyone says we want Roma. And you go, how does that work? Anybody saying Barcelona just? <laughs> And this is a Barcelona team who just beaten Sevilla five 0 Exactly. Liverpool couldn't beat. And so, so you've got United. you've got to respect the great night that Roma had there, and they played at a level which allowed them to achieve one of European football standout results this season. So, 
that that's how Liverpool will be seeping. There's no question that Jurgen Klopp's sitting in the dressing room say, saying before the game, these are the ones we wanted, lads. Not a chance. It just isn't happening. But yeah, Roma is a yeah. The, the, the history of Liverpool goes back to a 1984, obviously, and that never to be forgotten European Cup final in Rome. A, Go forward to 2001, Michael Owen's goals at the Stadio Olympicos in the way in that night. Uh, and that was a lively affair, getting in and out of that <laughs> ground. And, and, it was. Uh, and obviously there was a Champions League tie group game uh, the following season. But yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone's buying into the idea that Roma are the weak link of this four. I, I think Liverpool should know from their own history, and they will know from their own history, that the semi-finals, the European Cup. You know, you're not getting an easy game. It's no, not are, happening. Are they the weaker link, if not the weak link? No, I, was, I saw them in Chelsea. I've, I watched Roma quite a lot this year because my lad's at an age where he watches every game of football that's on television. So we watched the Roma derby last week against Lazio, which was dreadful. I saw that one. It was awful. But, but, what you, but what you can see with Roma is I think they're a team with gears. They're a team who doesn't. They're an experienced team. They're not a very fast team. and They're not a team that's going to break you apart with, with flowing football. But they are a very methodical team. They've got obvious strength. To, Jacko being the clear one for me. Jacko was always a threat, uh, and I, I, I just think they. Now I don't. I've seen Real Madrid this season. They're not as strong as they were two years ago. Not fair to say, uh, but they're still in the European Cup. They've got that thing that Liverpool had in the early eighties, where you can be poor in the league and still go and win the European Cup. That's where they're at. Uh, Bayern Munich again. I don't think this is a vintage Bayern Munich team. Still too good for everything in Germany though. Uh, and Roma to me are a team that. Listen, I watched again, I watched Napoli Juventus last night. Uh, the standard Italian league is good this year. It is a good league. Uh, and I, I, I think the type of team they are, the type of opponent they are, make, it makes them a difficult opponent for Liverpool. Also, they've got, as you mentioned, the momentum, haven't they, that Liverpool have got? Yeah, and again, Liverpool respect that. Because Liverpool have been them. Liverpool have been the team that's fighting to get in the top four and while they carry on a European Cup run. You know you're not going to win anything else. This is your big shot at and. Uh, Roma have always got that thing and you, you, you can't try and play this they lost the European Cup fans Liverpool the way revenge gets used a lot about when, when Roma play Liverpool which I always think is the wrong way but in a football sense they do get it uh, but they're coming here to try and put right what they felt was wrong in 1984 so so you've got that kind of grievance in you as well they know what it means to their supporters so no, I, I think it's going to be a really tough tie over two legs because you're going to have both sets of supporters who Roma have waited 34 years for a semi-final of the European Cup, Liverpool 10 years. I mean, what were your memories from 10 years ago when Liverpool played Chelsea, got beat? Um, you didn't think at the time, well, oh, this isn't going to happen for ages. No, of course not. Cause you, back then, you, you, it was that was just par for the course, wasn't it? Every every year, you know, it was. You know, obviously, been to the won it in 2005, final again in Athens two years later. Obviously, that that semi against Chelsea. I think it was the quarters against Chelsea, wasn't it? The the year after. Yeah. And then, you know, when you look at what's happened to the club since then, you know, you, know, you go back to the way that the wheels came off under Hicks and Gillette, the club taken to the brink of uh, administration, Hodgson's reign, you know, our Liverpool manager talking then about potentially being in a relegation battle. Be careful um, mentioning Roy Hodgson around time. <laughs> just restraining. <laughs> um, and, and just, you know, and you look at, you know, obviously... It's been it's been such a, a long road back, hasn't it? You think about even the last time Liverpool were in the Champions League under Brendan Rodgers, you know, failed to get out of a pretty average group and were embarrassed and, and found wanting amongst Europe's elite. And and obviously two years ago we had that unbelievable European run that, that Klopp masterminded, but that was the Europa League, you know, the poor relation. Um, 
this is the Champions League. You know, this is the absolute elite. There's no, there's no bigger club competition. Um, and we, we know how much it means to Liverpool as well. You know, it was bizarre in the last round that you know you see, you know, Man City fans booing the anthem, and I know obviously they've got history with that, and and just how manufactured the atmosphere felt at the Etihad with the, the plastic flags and the lights flashing on and off and. You know, we, we know that there's there's no need for anything, no gimmicks or anything like that at Anfield when occasions like this come along because it's raw emotion because you know, it it means that much and you know there's a whole generation of fans now who have grown up on tales of Istanbul and they'll be desperate to have their own own tale to tell hopefully in in Kiev next month. Well, as James says, Tony, it's an exciting time for for Liverpool. I mean, the atmosphere around the ground on on Tuesday is going to be pretty lively, isn't it? Yeah, and it's something we're getting used to again. And that, I was thinking the other night about the atmosphere around here. I do. I spent too much time thinking about the atmosphere around here and what makes <laughs> it good, and what makes it <laughs> exactly yeah, what makes it good, and what makes it not so good. And, and there's there's loads of different contributing factors. And, uh, and I, I take all the arguments about young people. The more young people you get into a ground, the better. And I think that always fires the atmosphere. But I think the biggest one, and I, I think it's now established. Get a team that people believe in. Get a team that people want to support. Because Liverpool now, Anfield's now good when you play Bournemouth at home, when you play Watford at home. Games where you'd, you, 18 months ago, you'd have sat there and been a bit bored and people have left early and all that kind of stuff. You're now sitting because you want to enjoy every last drop of this team and, and drink it in. Uh, it, for me, there was a big turning point when we played Leicester around Christmas time and uh, it, it became an angry Anfield crowd in the best way, not not, not in a nasty way, in a, a real angry way determined to drag this team over the line today because we needed these results. And since then, the atmosphere just got better and better and better. Uh, Man City, and there was times during the, the, the first leg against Man City in last time when I'm looking down the stadium and I'm thinking, I thought the days of English football grounds being like this were gone. It was bedlam, but again, in the right sense. Uh, and you want Anfield to be like that again. It will be important. We want Anfield to be hostile. And again, I use that in in the sense of the way in the football sense of the way. I use that in the sense that when John Terry came at Chelsea in two thousand and five, for for years afterwards, whenever he got asked about, he said that was the most hostile atmosphere I ever played in. And Liverpool does affect players. There's now uh, European papers that, that regularly write about the fact that Liverpool is the club where the supporters play a role in in Champions League bids. It doesn't happen on the grounds. I'm not saying other fans don't contribute, but they don't contribute to the extent that Liverpool supporters do. The supporters and the players as one. And when we see that, I'm not going to say you're unbeatable because there's plenty of evidence to the contrary, but that Liverpool's best chance of being successful is when the players, club eh, and supporters all act as one. And we certainly have against Man City. What we don't want, and this goes without saying, it doesn't. this isn't me telling people how to behave, but it's just logical. We don't need any, any problems with, with team buses arriving. If you go, if you're going to go and uh, welcome the team buses, welcome Liverpool with everything you got. The players all clear that they love that, but there's no need to go near Roma's bus. That it, Man City's bus came in, uh, and everyone saw the footage. Pep Guardiola got off. He was very angry. Liverpool then had to deal with that. So Jurgen Klopp had to deal with that. Jurgen Klopp had to answer questions about pre-match. This is when he should be doing his preparation. It's a distraction. It doesn't help. People think in a perverse way. That attacking a, a bus helps, it doesn't, it just creates problems and issues the club. And issues don't end there because then you get charged and the charge can take to places where we don't want to go. Uh, you, obviously, UEFA can have got a range of punishments that they can throw at any club that falls foul of this. So we don't need any of that again. We just need, we, we need Liverpool supporters to support Liverpool with everything we got. 
because that is what puts the opposition off. That is what makes it difficult to play for them to play when they know that the, the, these supports and this team are together and are together to try and knock them out in a football sense. I mean, ever since Jurgen Klopp first first came to Anfield, you remember when he went up to the crowd at uh, when he drew West Brom, and he got a bit of stick for that. But he was trying to unite not only the, the squad but also break down the barriers if there were any between the fans and the players. And that seems to now be paying off, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you, I think you go back before that, don't you, to the Palace game when um, you know he looked around and then he kind of utterly bemused at fans getting off. With, I think it was six or seven minutes to go, and I think that was when he said in the afterwards, you know, we decide when it's over. And, but he, he kind of put the responsibility onto him and the players to say, you know, we need to make sure the fans don't, don't think, actually, it might just be the traffic here. You know, there's no chance of these coming back. Because that was where Liverpool were when Klopp arrived. You know, it was as soon as things went against them in games, the, the shoulders hunched, the body language was poor. And, and I think there was that general feeling of, oh, well, it's not going to happen. And that's probably one of Klopp's biggest achievements, the way that he's galvanised not only the players, but the supporters as well. And, you know, as Tony said, I think we've all noticed... A massive difference in the atmosphere, you know, over the course of this season. I think the new main stand, you know, has been sensational in terms of what that's added to the ground. Um, certainly en- enhanced it, you know, the bigger capacity, the, the noise that helps to create. But also, you know, the biggest thing is the fact it is a team that that makes people, you know, want to stick around for the for the full ninety because it's just been an absolute joy to watch and. That'll be the interesting thing on Tuesday night because, of course, I think one of the reasons why the noise was maintained so unbelievably throughout that game against City was because, you know, it was like one of them ones where the fans and the, the players almost fed off each other and Liverpool blew City away in that first half. I think I think it'll be very, very difficult to try and blow this Roma team away. I think it, it might be the kind of night where everyone just has to be a bit patient as well and avoid getting frustrated if things don't happen in the first half an hour because um, you know, the biggest thing I think for Liverpool in this game is not conceding. I think we, you know we saw you know again Tony mentioned earlier on about what happened to Barcelona. You know as it didn't seem, seem like a big deal at the time, did it? When when Roma pulled one back over there, but that ended up being absolutely massive that away goal. Um, so I think you know even you know a, a narrow win to nil would be a fantastic result for Liverpool. You know even even nil nil wouldn't be a, a disaster. I just think. You need to avoid falling into the trap of thinking, right? You know, this is only Roma. Let's just go and steamroll them because I don't think that's realistic in a game of this magnitude. Now, Tony, our friend and Andy Kelly, no longer with us, unfortunately. Well, he's not dead. He's just gone. He's just. He was yeah. all right yesterday. Yeah. Someone check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably just died. You're going to feel this. bad if he is dead. <laughs> anyway, he wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago about how Liverpool's run to the Europa League final in 2016. At the time, it didn't seem like it, but now it's kind of held them in good stead with the way things have gone now. But we've been here before, haven't yeah. we? This, this is the story of Liverpool. It's in Europe. You need that experience. You need to get that, that those wins under your belt. And you look at Klopp's record in Europe. It's a bit mad. It's I think it's two defeats in twenty-five games mm-hmm. in Europe, which is that's sensational. I'd, I'd, I'd yeah. be surprised if there's been a better record than that after twenty-five, thirty games. But I, I've always been an advocate of, of elite managers, elite clubs, which isn't to say you can't get them. Uh, the right manager who will come and transform you and who learns on the job and that but I think in Europe especially I think the top managers that's where they really show uh, I think this is where Jürgen Klopp we, we've been here before Benitez Benitez who's done with Valencia uh, Brendan Rodgers came and where he really struggled was Europe and uh, Roy Hodgson and I don't know what you'd say about him in Europe he, 
got full to the final of the Europa League. He did, to be fair, yeah, which is one of the maddest things of all time. <laughs> Uh, we had that, that night in Trabzonspor. They had that yeah. night in Trabzonspor. Famous, famous night, famous night, famous night. Come on, let's get it right. Uh, but no, I do. I, I, Jürgen Klopp's a, a top European manager, and and he's he's done it before with Dortmund. He got them to a European Cup final. And, uh, you look at the other clubs who are in it. Roma are the are the surprise package if you look at it because they haven't been at this level for quite some time. They've been more recently, and Roma. I've got a young manager who's who's not that experienced at this level. Uh, but you look at. Uh, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and they certainly fit into that idea of elite managers and elite clubs and, and that's how you thrive in Europe so Liverpool are at, at that level now and Liverpool uh, hopefully will be back in the Champions League next year because the more you're in it especially a club like Liverpool the more you'll thrive and we've, again we've seen them in the past 2004 to 2009 we were there about most years 1973 to 1985-1985 uh, again, there or thereabouts most years, and that's what happens once you're there as a top club. You do thrive, and if the longer keep Liverpool keep you in Klopp, Klopp, the better the chance you've got to go on and continue to be successful in this competition. I mean, just out of interest, where do you rank, or where would you rank the atmosphere against Man City? You know what? In terms of being sustained up there with Chelsea 2005, and um, I mean, my dad always said to me that Inter Milan was his 165. He always said that St. Etienne wasn't as good as Inter Milan. Uh, I always thought that Oxford, when there was only, I think, 22, 24,000 was in the crowd that night, and that was up there. Uh, you can go through them. Liverpool are lucky to have all these, and everyone can make them their own ways. Uh, I just think the fact that there's so much excitement about this team, and it's not attritional football, it's the kind of football that gets you off your seat time and time again it's the type of football that makes you have moments that you can't describe and then you have three goals in very quick succession it's like wow this is getting stratospheric and then you've got that very very Liverpool thing of the backs the wall second half and that's sort of where the crowd comes into its own as well come on we've got to help the team here they are under the cosh so the, and, and obviously you've got a new song as well LA 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 which is getting people off their feet and, and people are actually physically part of the atmosphere they're not just stood there singing they're physically participating you look around the ground sometimes you're like wow so the, the last time I saw them feel like that was Arsenal 2008 when Torres scored uh, when they beat Arsenal 4-2 yeah. and he scored that brilliant goal on the turn and that, the Torres bounce went off and I know that Torres went off the pitch that night and couldn't believe what he was seeing and when I was seeing this with LA 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 and Anfield is literally rocking and so I think it was up there. I, I still think for me, Chelsea 2005, the sense of hunger was off the scale. and uh, that, that to me makes that stand out. But, but Man City was up there and, and hopefully Roma will be as well. I mean, are Liverpool going to need that sense of hunger from the fans and the players? Because it could be what a game where you've mentioned before where it'd be completely different to City where Roma will try and play a clever game, keep it tight. You look at Liverpool's history of, of European Cup semi-finals, there's been a, quite a few tight squeezes against Chelsea even against Danilo Bucharest in 84 when they got to the final that was only 1-0 from the first game yeah. I think it'll be tight yeah, yeah I think I think Roma will, will look to frustrate them and, and try and ensure Liverpool don't build up that momentum um, yeah, they'll, be, they'll be desperate to, they'll, they'll know how, how important that first 20-30 minutes are to try and keep Liverpool out and then you know I think the, the big things will be how Liverpool deal with Zeko on the you know, when they counter attack I think you only had to look at the goal he scored against Barcelona to to see what a threat he is. I think he's got 20 goals already this season. I remember actually covering a pre-season friendly. It was Everton actually playing against Wolfsburg. Yeah, so was there with you. 20 yeah, years. Yeah, was that yeah. about 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and I didn't, I didn't really see much of Zeko then. 
And because uh, United were interested in them, wasn't it? Right, yeah, and he absolutely terrorised Jagielka it was that day. I know it was only a pre-season game, but he came away thinking, uh, <laughs> yeah, came away thinking, God, he's a certain player, and you know, obviously he had, a, he had a decent spell at Man City without being, you know, an absolute world beater. But yeah, he's certainly the the big big threat, and um, you know, but that's it's, it's going to be another big night for Virgil Van Dijk. We've seen him, you know, what a huge impact he's made on that that defence over the last four months, and uh, you know, he stopped at the Hawthorns on on Saturday actually for a chat and talked about you know, what a roller coaster it's been for him because you, you know you think the season he's had with you know, missing the second half of last season, devastated at missing out on the move to Liverpool, then you know, in and out, part of a really struggling Southampton team, then finally getting his dream move. You know, he, he would in his wildest dreams he would never imagined he'd find himself in this position. And um that that personal duel between him and Ed and Zeka is gonna be gonna be a key one. I mean getting a good result to take it into the second leg will be important and already the tickets are on sale have possibly been sold for the for the second leg. And now Tony there's been a bit of a Bit of a hoo-ha, some more grumbles from Liverpool fans because Roma have set the price, but I think it's £73, £73 for, for these tickets. I mean, the same thing happened when Liverpool played Porto in the, in the yeah. uh, first yeah. knockout round where, where, again, Liverpool fans weren't happy. And although Liverpool went and made this an issue with UEFA, I mean, what's happened this time? Yeah, and, and this is new. This is a new issue. And if you speak to Bayern Munich fans, they'll tell you that similar thing happened to them. They travel in great numbers wherever they go and... So whenever they do go to, to European clubs, they tend to get be on the heavy end of it. Well, Anderlecht, was it, in the group Andelect, stage, where, yeah, where they were forced to pe- actually reform the base? Exactly, and, and, that, and that, that's something, it's, it's the English clubs, it's, it's Bayern Munich, it's probably a couple of the Italian clubs, but it's, it is, it's just a few clubs who, who travel in great numbers all around Europe, and Liverpool do that. And it has to be stressed, Liverpool support in Europe this season, the away games has been unbelievable. You, you think someone plays Moscow away, which... The trials and simulations are getting there. Yeah. Uh, it was Slovenia, Slovenia, Maribor, and, uh, Porto. We looked at the way and people again being charged huge amounts. Uh, and you carry on going, you carry on, and it's time off work, it's more money, it's it's all the things that go with supporting a big club in Europe. And uh, I, I don't think it's stated often enough how grateful the club is and, and should be for, the, for that kind of support. And you can never take that for granted. Uh, this this round brought another challenge, and uh, obviously when the, the ticket prices came out, and you look at seventy three pounds, you think that's heavy, and then part of me thought, but but it's the European Cup semi final. I don't know what these are priced at anymore. I haven't been in one of these for, for a few years, and I look back at what I paid previously, and probably heavy at the time, considering, uh, but but still seventy three pounds, and you looked at what Roma fans are paying, and, and what, what they're paying forty eight pounds, are they? Yeah, and what Roma have done is they've. They basically peg Liverpool to what their non-members pay, which means that if you be, you're a Roma fan who's been to one game in at Roma this year, you get a discount. Now Liverpool sports don't get an option to go to Rome. Well, so. that, that, that's the way for rule, isn't it? That if the opposition it's a loophole, team, they isn't can't, it? yeah, they can't cha- they can't charge more than the opposition. The home fans have been charged at general admission, isn't it? No, and that that is the loophole that then gets exploited because these then say, all right, we can't charge uh, different prices for general admission, but we will give discounts to our members. But Liverpool supporters don't get an opportunity to be members, so it's not, it's not really a fair thing. Also, you, you're having the fact that you're having to travel. And I've, at Roma this year, it's, I've been to Rome in the past and it wasn't so bad, but this year the flights, all kinds of reasons, it's been very difficult, people, and it's very expensive as well. There's no two ways about that. So so people did ask about subsidies, and, and that was something that was part of the, the conversation. And uh, I looked at this, this two ways. I think in one way it's, it's a way of showing 
how much he value support. I know that's how, how Arsenal supporters perceived it when they got uh, subsidies. But then the other way that the, the, and the club's position was very strong on this was that subsidies isn't a way to solve the problem. Uh, because what UEFA do wants they want clubs to solve these issues themselves. UEFA don't want to be the overbearing organisation that tells clubs how they should price up get home games and, and for away fans. That's up to for the clubs themselves. So so so, so the minute that Arsenal subsidise uh, Atletico Madrid, that's resolved. That issue's now gone as far as UEFA are concerned. They don't need to look at that. But Liverpool, and I know that there was I can't say who's involved, but pe- people at a very high level, both UEFA and Liverpool, involved in talks on this issue and. And Liverpool's position throughout was you need to sort this out. You need to sort this out because subsidies will only lead to one thing, fear the price inflation. That next year when Liverpool go abroad, every European club will know that Liverpool sports, either Liverpool or their sports, will pay whatever the price yeah. is. And that, that precedent is not a good one to set. And I agree with that. I do agree. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't show supporters you value them because you always should do that. And I just do think that subsidies isn't the right way. Uh, and so Liverpool have really taken that forward and now UEFA have agreed for no talk they've, they've said to Liverpool and they're very clear on this that they're sensitive on this issue now and they've agreed to set up a working group to look into this in the summer and the, I mean from my point of view that loophole needs to be closed it, it, for me if you're going abroad following your team in Europe you should pay the lowest pipe price available at the ground and, and that should be if it's £48 is it, it is an for this game it should be £48 for home if it's if it's whatever it is in Rome, it should be the same. And we need to cherish supporters who travel abroad in European games because they give so much. What about the argument that because Liverpool fans are being charged seventy three quid over there, you should have charged Roma fans seventy three quid to come to Anfield? Because I know part of the response might be to that was well, not fair on them. Just because, but then in, surely it would put pressure on Roma, not if, if for their, their own fans if. If Liverpool then said, "Well, you've got you've got your own club to blame because they're ripping off Liverpool fans going over there." Yeah, no, I get that. That's a valid argument. From my point of view, it's race to the bottom stuff. I think anything that involves ticket price mm. inflation goes against the, 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 the principle of not having high ticket prices. So, that, so that it doesn't make sense to me. I understand why people want it. I also think Liverpool doing that. I think Liverpool should be better than that. I do. I do. I think Liverpool should be better than to hit another club's fans just because their club operate in a certain way. I think Liverpool should be bigger than that and should be better than that. But Liverpool then, if you do that, we have to do everything in our power to make sure that our supports are protected going forward. And that's the crucial element now. We've got, we've got the working group which is going to happen. We have to do everything in our power to make sure that the working group leads to meaningful change. Do you think it will? Um, well, if you look at the clubs who are, who are frustrated at the moment, you'll have Liverpool, you'll have Manchester United, you'll have Arsenal. You probably have others. You probably have Chelsea, Tottenham, who've been in a similar boat. Uh, you have Bayern Munich. These are powerful, big clubs with a big voice at the table. So it's up to us. We've got to make our voice heard as much as possible. And if you if you don't listen, more fuel them because they need this issue to go away as much as anyone else does. I mean, moving on to some other stuff before we finish. Uh, last night, Mohamed Salah was announced PFA Player of the Year. Tony, right decision for you? You know what? I'm. Don't say you don't care. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. The point of view is I don't have a say. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those where they go. Okay, when you were a football writer, then <laughs> this, this wasn't a football writers award. No, but it, okay. Well, I'll, I'll rephrase the question then. Football writers award. If you were still a football writer and you got your vote, and you can vote by May the second, I think so. First, who are you vote for? In if it was in February, I would have voted for Kevin De Bruyne. But it's, but but it's now I'd vote for Mo Salah because his achievements have just gone to a ridiculous stage. Uh, I do get the argument that the best player in the best team deserves accolades. I do get that, 
Uh, but don't they get the accolade of winning the league? Well, that's the that's the prize you want yeah. to be in the best. You, you get your league title winners medal. That's the, that's the greatest vindication of all. Uh, but I do think it, there are exceptional circumstances when a player will do something that's so off the scale that you can't not recognise. And I think Salah's been at that level. Um, but I, I do I do find it mad. This is voted for by footballers, mm. and. You have people who aren't footballers telling footballers how they should have voted. <laughs> you know, nobody watching from the stand. This yeah. is the view people actually play. Well, sure, surely footballers don't get to watch the games as much as the likes of us because they're too busy playing. But if that's a, both are valid, yeah. both positions, yeah. both votes are valid in their own way and for different reasons, and they're valid is valid in point of view of a they play the games, they they come up against the opponents who are up for the vote. You, you go through all the criteria. Oh yeah, you've got a right to have a say on this. And there's fellow professionals have said Mo Salah, and I think that makes it absolutely. You can't complain about that. The football writers' one's a different one. Yeah, I, th- I think there is a level of you get to watch a, a broader spectrum of games. You get to watch different teams. You got a different view, and uh, you, but hopefully your opinion will be inf- informed from that. Uh, and then the supporters' views, which again, people who watch games every week and they get a say. I think they're all valid in their own way. But I don't think anyone's got right to tell the footballers that they should have voted for someone else. That that's bizarre. I th- the only the only time when there's been. A, f- a football award which absolutely staggered me was the football writers when Scott Parker got it. I think it was around 2011. Yeah, you were say this. <laughs> I, was, I was sat in the room with Scott Parker, who's a very nice lad and a decent footballer. And was, he playing was, the, was he playing for the time? Was it West, West Ham? Ham yeah. yeah, West Ham had just survived. And it was like, yeah, well done, Scott, you've done well there. But I think the man Vidic for Man United had had the season of his life. And I'm a Liverpool sports, I'm thinking it's got to be Vidic, it's got to be Vidic, it's got to be Vidic. And then it goes to Scott Park, and it's one of those you go, wow. Do you think he just stopped in loads of mix zones that season? I think there's a lot of lot of West Ham supporters <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. football that's the Vice Association. And listen, that but that is the, probably to be fair, David Ginnler as well. The year that Man United again, I'm sticking up for Man United. Man United won the treble. What's going on? The vote was Manchester split. United sympathiser. Yeah, the vote was split, it. wasn't it? So the te- the best team in Europe, right? you win the European Cup, you're the best team in Europe. Uh, the team that won the like, league title in England and they didn't have the best player in the country according to that vote and it was David Ginola which, which but that was the way the vote, vote was done there was no single transferable vote or anything like that it just went to mm. the vote split between about four Man United players but no, Scott Park was the one that I'll never get over James Salah the right choice for you? Yeah 100% I think um, I agree with what Tony said there. I think if you went back to like January February time I think he was Probably, you'd say he was just behind De Bruyne, but if just, it wasn't Salah, would it be De Bruyne? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they were the two, two, you know, head and shoulders above, above the rest, as far as I was concerned. Um, you just look at you look at what Salah has done. I think De Bruyne went three months or something without scoring as well, and you know, and also just because he's won the league, that doesn't mean he should automatically pick up the PFA award. I think Salah has achieved what he's achieved on such a ridiculous scale this season, and. Just such unbelievable consistency that he that he had to win it. I mean, you know, you know, only two Liverpool players ever have scored goals on this kind of scale. You know, now equaled the Premier League scoring record. He's got three games left to break that. Um, and I loved I loved his speech as well afterwards, where you know, he was asked, you know, you've been surprised? <laughs> did you did you really expect to make this kind of impact? Or whatever. And he said, yes, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, you know, talked about you know not being given a chance at, at Chelsea, and you could you just see he's you know, he's so hungry and you know, also humble and and focused and the uh, he's not finished yet. Is I was going to say that said he's upped his PR game recently, hasn't he? Stopping in mix zones, and he has doing interviews, he has, yeah. and stuff he's, like that. He's um, adjusting to the role of being a, a global a global icon, and uh, 
I know he said last week, I think it was, when he, when he stopped in the after the, the Bournemouth game, that he'd swap all these personal accolades for a Champions League winner's medal. There's no reason why he can't have the lot, because when you've got him in the kind of form he's in at the moment, you know, that, that gives Liverpool an unbelievable chance of finishing this season on a high. Right, well, just, just to backtrack on what I said, Dave, I said, <laughs> I, said, I said the footballers are absolutely better qualified than anyone. Yeah. I can't believe it. I, the outcome is, this is if we're going to the Bruyne, I go, yeah, good lad, well done, mm. you deserve that. Salah, equally, I think I think you can say this year, they're the two head and shoulders above yeah. the rest. How does Roberto Firmino not get in the six? How is he not in the team of the year? Mm. Who, who would you not have in the team of the year? Though? That's the I'd, I'd, I would take Sergio Aguero. Yeah, I love Aguero. That's the first time he's ever been in it. Though. I love Aguero. Yeah. I love Aguero. <laughs> the one time you're like, take it I away love from Aguero, and I, and, I, and I love the way Man City play, and I'm a massive fan of Guardiola. All those things notwithstanding, if you were to speak to Jurgen Klopp and the Liverpool players, who's been your most influential player, not necessarily your yeah. best? I think you would you would get a lot that say the Beto Firmino. Oh, yeah. He's he outstanding, does. but but the amount of people who do not see what he does frightens me. And it's been like that since he lost this country. And you got listen. There's been managers who didn't actually see what the day took for me. Notice there's been lots of people. He was compared unfa- compared unfavorably to the likes of uh, Romelu Lukaku and Lamotti Kran Lukaku, great goal scorer. But in terms of what Firmino brings to a team, I don't think there's many players who bring as much to any team in England as he does. And for him not to be in the shake-up, I think is bizarre. We well, scored 25 goals in any other season. He's made about five million tackles from centre yeah, forward. Probably suits Liverpool though for him to just slip under the radar a little bit. No fuss. It remains a well kept secret outside of Merseyside. Yeah, yeah, not knocking that. Not knocking that. Just, just mad that no one sees it. <laughs> anyway, we will finish by looking at the Roma game. Tony, what we tend to do now is try and pick the team for Jurgen Klopp. And as you're here, you can help us. I mean, are we going with the goalkeeper, Carius? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Controversial. Controversial. I think, I I, I, basically, I think the basically, team virtually picks itself. Does it pick itself? Because I think the only place I can see there being any issue is in midfield. Who are the three midfielders? Yeah, that's, that's the only... Because obviously, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson come in at full back, don't they? Lovren. Mm. Not, not Moreno. Not Moreno, no. no. I don't think Moreno did quite enough on the weekend. Um, obviously, the front three goes without saying. So I think Oxley chamberlain has to start. I thought he was great when he came yeah. off the bench yeah. at West Brom. I think it was telling as well, the fact that he was rested. Um, Henderson starts so I think toss up between Milner and Wijnaldum well, which one are you going for? I'd go for Milner I just think Mil- Milner's been I actually thought Wijnaldum was pretty good on the weekend but I think there's something about the Champions League and James Milner this season what was he equal with Neymar for the most assists ever um, and I just think his experience on a, on a massive night yeah, I'd, I'd go for him ahead of Wijnaldum do you agree, Tony? I'm going with Milner, by the way. I, I can't get involved because I have to work with somebody. <laughs> and, and I can drop anything that just becomes a nightmare. Okay, if you could pick 12, 12 players, who would the no, what, what I would say, what I would say is that, I mean, there's a couple of things from Saturday. The, the good thing about West Brom is, as Liverpool go on in this competition, hopefully, the player's going to need game time. So you had Joe Gomez coming back from injury. He needed the game. You had uh, Ragnar Klavan hadn't played that likely lately. Ings. Being injured, Moreno. Moreno, players who haven't played, you've got minutes under the belt. It was crucial from that point of view, and I know everyone's disappointed with the results as I was, but I looked at that game and thought, well, yeah, we've got, we've, we've come out of it with our defeat, and these players got minutes under the belt, and you saw some of them needed those minutes. There's no question about that. But I think looking forward to to the game with team selection, it's good that you've got, you've actually got Emily Chan out who was, who was starting most of these games, but even despite that, you're still looking at four into three. And I think you speak to a lot of people who come up with different permutations, and that's healthy. That 
that, that we need this. Liverpool Football Club needs that. We've got a front three that, for a minute, it's very difficult to see a, no, a player knocking any of them out. But that's because the, the front three are having to play at a level that's just off the scale. But it, in the field, there is that real competition for, for, for places. And, and whatever three is picked, you'll go, yeah, they'll go out and do a job for us tonight. European Cup semi final, these players won't let us down. Right, prediction time. Jay? I think it'll be tight. I'm going to go for Liverpool 1 0. I'm going to go Liverpool 2 0, but it's set up for 1 0. So. I'll take any Liverpool results to 0. Any, including a 0 0 draw. I think you put yeah. this Liverpool team in the second leg away from home where they can play in the counter attack with the way goals are. I'd, I'd fancy our chances, but any results to 0. But. I do think Roma are a much tougher proposition than a lot of people are expecting. Right, that'll do us for this edition. Join us later this week where we'll look back at the Roma game and look ahead briefly to Stoke.